warning, the Paper Cuts podcast has bad language and spoilers, so cover your freaking ears. You are now listening to the Paper Cuts comic podcast with Dean DeFalco, Dan Ryan, Evan Goldstein, and Matt Munch. For the comic podcast with the most personality this side of the galaxy, it'll always be Paper Cuts. Over to you, Dan. Thanks, announcer guy, and thank you for checking out the Paper Cuts podcast, issue 103. I'm your host, Dan Ryan, and joining me this week is Mr. Dean DeFalco. Bada boom, realest guy in the room. How you doing? Very well, thank you. <laughs> and also joining us this week is Mr. Matthew Much. Oh, clever and relevant quote from something we all know about. <laughs> Actually, only Dan does. Yes. So anyway, gentlemen... Um, Interesting week in comics this week. Uh, I find it uh, probably on purpose the way two of the issues that we ended up reading tied in with the current political climate and the first of the presidential debates uh, between Miss Hillary Rodham Clinton and uh, Giant Jackface. Um, (laughs) Filthy Rich, you mean? Filthy Rich, yes. So uh, we're going to talk about those in a minute. Um, But first, let's talk about Blue Beetle. DC Universe Rebirth, Blue Beetle, number one. Can I ask so, a question? You you may. Who among us has any familiarity with Blue Beetle previously? I have familiarity with the Ted Cord version, this Jaime Reyes version. I am not... I know he exists. But he is new? New-ish? He's not, he's not that new. I mean, he's been around for a bit. No, he's new not 52? new. Okay. Like, like, he started with the new 52, but, like, Ted Kord's Blue Beetle was just a tech guy in an Iron Man sort of way, whereas Jaime Reyes has a giant scarab the, beetle yeah, embedded into his beetle. back. The chosen beetle? The chosen yeah, beetle? Yeah, no, I, I, okay, so I, I thought Blue Beetle's been around for longer than you said. There, He's been around for a very long time. It's There just, has been a Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. For a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, his tenure with DC Comics has been... Uh, I mean, it might be the new 52. I thought it was longer than that because him and Booster Gold used to be kind of tight. Well, but that was the Ted Cord Blue Beetle. Yeah, no, he, he's been around since the 1980s. Jaime Reyes? No, no not way. Jaime Reyes, just oh, Blue Ted Beetle. Cord? Uh, yeah, Ted Cord's been around for a I long time. Shut the fuck up. I'm talking about okay. that. Okay. My, point, balls. my point Matt's was... My question was about the new one. For, well, it was about all Blue Beetle. Yes, oh. fuck you, Dan. Shit. So, for a number one of, a, you know, their semi-annual or four times a year rebooting of their universe, <laughs> shouldn't a number one have been a little bit easier to follow, or am I just... No, they're abandoning no, all it. logic now, Matt. Like you, you don't this, understand. So it's not just me. <laughs> no, no. Okay. This, uh, this story, uh, which was written by Keith Giffen, um, with art by Scott Collins, and both of them were responsible for the story. Uh, Keith Giffen, who is very, very good, um, and has written a lot of really, really great shit, uh, especially for DC. This story was a fucking mess. Okay. It was a okay. Just a yes. It was fuck. really. What. I mean, anytime you utilize the, the, de- the delivery device of telling a narrative story through instant messages, yeah, you know you got good. a winner. <laughs> it, so. was, it, was, it was not good. It was uh, 
Keith Giffen has always been very, very good at dialogue. And this was one of the first Keith Giffen books that I've read where I'm like, wow, you're an old man thinking that's how the kids talk these that's days. That's exactly what I thought, yes. That's not fucking how anyone talks at all. You don't know like, that. Maybe some people do sometimes. I mean, they don't, but we, we can imagine. <laughs> I mean, no one does. But you can imagine in, in Mr. Giffen's world that this is like, oh, God, it just it really smacked of desperately trying to be cool. Right. Of uh, of fucking Amy Poehler and Mean Girls. It's all right. I'm the cool mom. I'm the hip mom. Which I say making fun of that joke and I'm referencing a movie that's 15 years old because I am also an asshole. I like but that movie. It's a great movie. Anyway. So uh, this book starts off with this weird dream that Jaime Reyes is having involving uh, a very Egyptian-looking Dr. Fate, which Dr. Fate has ties to Egyptology and mythology and whatnot, but has never really um, been portrayed artistically that way. But here he's got the sandals and the white robes and all. I was really excited about it. I like Dr. Fate. I think Dr. Fate's a really cool character. Um, but here Dr. Fate was just kind of uh, being a dick. For some unknown reason, in, J in Jaime's dream. Well, I mean, so, Doctor Fate's fucking crazy. He does what he wants. It was a dream. It wasn't a memory. Hmm. Maybe. Who knows? I didn't pay that much attention. I'm going to be honest with you. It might end up becoming a memory, but I think as of right oh, now, it's a premonition. Right, a premonition. There we go. Thank you. Um. So we cut from this flashback scene with Doctor Fate to Jaime and. Uh, a female friend of his walking around uh, their high school campus. They're talking about it's going to be career day, and there's some kids making some silly faces like, oh, look at this shit that this person said. I'm going to roll my eyes. And it just, oh, God, like this book was just made by old white men that are out of touch is really the feeling I got from this. We get uh, a career day presentation from Ted Cord. He's up there trying to look all like fucking Tony Stark and Iron Man 2 when they're doing the Stark World Expo. Uh, failing miserably. The uh, His assistant kind of even makes a joke at it. Nobody even asks him a question. Then all the uh, the high school boys are talking about how fucking hot she is. And then we cut over to uh, the homeless network, the posse, which uh, fucking... Come, what is like, that? Is that a thing? I don't know. Is that was where the, I, Is this part of Rebirth? It yes. might be. Homeless network? I Like... Ten pages in, when they were calling this group of, like, informants the posse, I was, all right, I'm fucking out. I'm out. I'm going to keep reading, but I'm already out. I'm one foot out the door. Uh, the The posse apparently informs Ted Cord that a bunch of teenagers have gone missing, so they, they Ted Cord picks up Jaime Reyes, because in this universe, Ted Cord used to be the Blue Beetle, and he's not anymore because Jaime has an actual scarab on his back. And uh, they go after these kids, and there's this weird darkness monster. And, God, it was a fucking mess. It was just a mess. Well, he leased that from the the owl from Watchmen, right? Sure, I guess. It's an I, owl, right? Something? Yeah, yeah Owlman's owl yeah. uh, owl ship, or whatever the fuck it was called. Not to I be know, confused like, with Talons. Right, a totally different thing. Yeah. Like, I guess... The art was good. Like, I like Scott Collins' artwork. Um, it's good, you know, kind of classic superhero artwork. But it, the problem I've had with the way that this Blue Beetle looks is just it. The rest of the world looks relatively realistic 
and he looks so damn cartoony in this world. He's a big bad Beetleborg with cat eyes. Yeah, that. Yeah. We'll go with that. And human teeth. Yeah, it's weird. Shockingly I... a bad combo. <laughs> Surprising literally everyone. Listen, no so, one said he was going to be normal. At the, uh, at the end of the comic, lo and behold, the posse shows back up looking like just the absolute worst 90s reject villains that there had ever been and sort of like Tiny Groot. It's a Groot and a Sugar Man and a Human Ninja Turtle and uh, Night Walker, whatever that guy was that he would fall asleep and then become a mutant superhero or something. Uh, it's not Sleepwalker, if that's who you're thinking Sleepwalker, of. yeah. It's, no, it's exactly it's like Sleepwalker. None of this is Sleepwalker-esque. How very dare you, sir. Well, there's still a mini Groot. There is still a mini Groot and a human uh, Ninja Turtle. This was bad, right? It was not... I mean, I don't understand... Did somebody in a boardroom say, all right, we want to kill off Blue Beetle as fast as possible, so who can we give this to? Well, these guys are usually good, but they don't... And eh, we'll see what they do with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, this, uh, this book is a hard pass. Hard pass on this book. So we're going we're gonna to jump over to the one that I wasn't able to get to uh, this week. Exo Manowar number 50. Um, I... I'm really bummed. I was saving this one for last because I thought this would be the one that I enjoyed the most, and I ended up just not actually getting to it. So, both of you read it, though, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Tell me what's going on. Firstly, what I I'd like to say, it's long. It's very long. <laughs> yeah, like, this, this is not for someone just jumping in. Let me start right there, because even though it goes over a lot of stuff that's happened, it like concentrates years of of issues into like I'd say maybe five pages and then it's like and go now you know everything <laughs> go yeah it's like the entire comic history and then in the comics like fourteen hundred years in five pages uh huh that seems about right it's jumping around a bit it's just a little bit. And uh, was it was it good? Was it bad? Yeah, it all was, right. Yeah. I thought it was yeah, pretty it, good it, for yeah. what it was and for who we are jumping in at the 50th issue of the current <laughs> series. Like fucking so Mad Men. We're a couple of Mad Men. And all that considered, it was pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I think there's... <sighs> it's an obvious turning point for the Exo Man of War. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't know what they're going to do because, spoiler... All of his enemies are defeated and placated. Well, shit. Yeah, like, oh, there, there's not much else have, to do. Have a shit, beer. Sorry, were you going to read that? Oh, no, I, no, I'm just like, what do you do at that? Yeah, just have it was a, beer. a big 50th. I mean, he had been teamed up <laughs> with his original enemies, the alien mm -hmm. vice. Sure. I think you got it right. And then, and then um, he's like, all right. We're going to team up and uh, kill these celestial bad guys. And then he gets eaten by one. Cool. And then he has a dream, which was his entire history meant to fill us in. The two madmen that jump in at the 50th issue mm. of the current series. And then he has this dream. And then his dream gets filled in by the entire history of his celestial foes, which is just slipping right out of my brain. What the hell were they called? 
I'm sorry. It's an ongoing problem I have. And then he's like, oh, wait. Even though they're here attacking us, destroying our cities, they're actually on a mission of peace. And uh, we should probably stop killing him if I could get out of the torso of the one I'm held within. (laughs) And then he bursts forth violently and says, wait. Everything's cool. And then... Yeah, and like, was, it, it was it was just okay. I I guess if you're gonna end a fiftieth issue, sure, why not end it on a really really high note of just happy ending? Everything's it's okay. Really, it's kind of like the ending of every sci-fi kids show from the seventies and eighties, where they're just like by the end of twenty-two minutes, everything's hunky dory again. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Well, what except this called except for this very last page. That I'm looking out now with, uh, you know, the returning in 2017 slug line down at the bottom. But um, the the man of war, Eric, is sitting on a throne looking very Thor the Barbarian-esque. Except very he's, Thor. Uh, he's... Yeah. Conan? Conan. Thor? That's what I meant. What? Thor, uh, just... you know, it's late. Um, but he's missing a hand. He's got a big old fucking, like, giant X-Con. scar on his chest. He looks all badass. There's a bunch of heads and shit around him. Like something has gone completely off the rails here to get us to this image. And there's a cat licking blood um, as well. So there is a cat licking blood. Is it Noodle? It, it looks be. a little like Noodle. This uh, this certainly the torment. The torment without... have come to destroy them all. <laughs> the torment, right? So. Without having read this, it, this definitely looks better than the Valiant issue that we read last week. Uh, that Britannia shit yeah. that was not very good. That I, I that trying I can something say. new, but that was ugly on purpose, wasn't it? Uh, kind of, sorta, I guess. I, I don't think know. So. so, what do we think? Would we are we going to recommend new readers? This up? No, uh, people have been reading man or yeah. yeah it's 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 just if you've more kept good up with it this stuff. was probably awesome yeah all right so conditionally pick this up all right so now we get to the uh the two books that somehow are telling sort of the same story it's election fever on the paper cuts podcast it is election fever on the paper cuts podcast and the two issues we're going to talk about are Surgeon X, which is a new book from Image, and because my daughter Katie demanded that we do it, was very, very adamant that we review a My Little Pony comic book on the Paper Cuts podcast, we are also going to talk about My Little Pony Friendship is Magic number 46. However, both of these comics that could not be tonally or stylistically any more different both deal with political maneuverings and intrigue and happen to have come out the same week as the first U.S. presidential debate for this upcoming election. I find that metaphors with separate thin veils. I, I find that to be very interesting. So let's go ahead and start with My Little Pony Friendship is Magic number 46. Uh, with the vigilante surgeon. With the, uh, with the vigilante. No, this is uh, written by Ted Anderson with art by Agnes Garbowska. Um, so, okay, here's the thing. The art in this comic is nowhere near as good as the art on the show. 
That being said, it's not bad for what it is, but the show is so gorgeously animated. And like, and I'm actually being 100% serious. I've had to watch a lot of My Little Pony, and it's actually a pretty dope show. Like, they do a really good job of making it an interesting show for everybody who's watching. But the, the art in the comic, it, it sort of falls into the same trap that the Adventure Time comics uh, fall into. And, and Dean, you could speak better to this than I could, could. But do the Rick and Morty comics also feel just a little off? Yeah, from the they're, show? they're just... Well, I, I mean, yeah, and it's the main reason I, I feel that way is because that it's not the same person, you know, creating it anymore. It, they sure. have They have someone else penning it because... Penn Ward doesn't write the comic. And, right. yeah, no, just some things feel a little totally different. And, again, it's not the same person, you know, drawing the show either. It's 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 mm-hmm. different. And, yeah, it does lead to things like that that just feel a little off. Uh, you you are right. Um, Adventure Time and uh, uh, Rick and Morty both felt a little off. I mean, the Invader Zim one is a little bit closer, but that's because uh, one of the people from the original show, I believe, works on that book. Mm. So, yeah, things right. like that. Fair enough. So, we jump. Now, I have not been okay. reading the My Little Pony comic book. Uh, Matt and Dean, I don't I don't believe you. Either of you have been reading the My Little Pony comic book. I but have joked about it four or five times. We have, we have joked about it. And if we joke about something enough, damn it, it's going to happen. So, jumping right into issue 46. It is election season in Ponyville. But, le gasp, there has not been an election in quite some time because Mayor Mayor, get it? Mayor Mayor, it's almost like you're saying the same yeah, word Yeah, it's twice. great. Keep going. Horse puns. <laughs> Horse puns. Phillies and gentle colts. Mayor Mayor has run unopposed for the mayor of Ponyville for as long as anyone can remember because she has done such a good job and people like her so much. And God damn it, her cutie mark is a bill being signed into a law. What else the fuck else is this girl going to do? Nobody has opposed her until, until today. Because she, has, she is there at the opening of a brand new playground on land that was donated by Applejack and the Apple family. They donated this land to the citizens of Ponyville to build a playground. Mayor Mayor is very excited. She's there for the ribbon cutting. She cuts the ribbon. And out of nowhere, a sinkhole appears, and it's wildly effective. Swallows the entire fucking playground. And that, a freak accident, makes every pony in Ponyville lose their faith in their leader. That's a hell of an earthquake. This is basically... (laughs) Terrorism coming to it, Ponyville. It might be by form of earthquake. I have a theory. We'll get to that. I um, I already know what you're gonna say, but go ahead. Let's let's. What keep what, what do you think it is? Let's see. Dude, fucking filthy rich man. He's fucking chaos generating that shit or something. Right. Ah, you yeah. think that? Yep. We're getting there. Yep. Until but yeah. until the end. Spoilers. Hold on. We're gonna get there. So Mayor Mayor gets up and they're having a town hall meeting and she's like, oh shit. Like, there was no earthquake. There's a very detailed map of Ponyville with an arrow fucking that way and the park with an arrow that way and no earthquakes anywhere around it. Um, so uh, Granny Smith, who is the old lady uh, of the Apple family, 
says, uh, that's it. That's your, your whole plan is to talk to the geologists and make sure that, sh that this maybe doesn't happen again. So the seeds of political doubt are already sown by Granny Smith and her old ass. Which is actually so, literally all they can possibly do. She is an old That's, ass. She really get it? Old ass? Yeah, yeah, You know, horse, horse jokes. Horse jokes. Um, horse and donkey jokes. <laughs> anyway, so, so out of nowhere, a voice appears from off panel, and it is Filthy Rich, and that is this guy's name. Filthy Rich says, maybe it's time for a change. Maybe it's time for a pony with business experience to take over, perfectly mirroring the current political climate, political climate in the United States of America with Donald J. Trump running as president, running to be president, based solely on the fact that he's a terrible fucking businessman, and apparently that qualifies Dan, him to be president. Dan, 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 let's not get what? too political. We're not getting too political. It's a fact. Yeah, if you I, declare bankruptcy six oh, times, you suck at what you're easy. doing. Easy. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyway, so Filthy Rich is very much the Donald Trump analog in here, and I believe Mayor Mayor uh, to be the uh, Hillary Clinton analog here. But he comes in, and uh, and the ponies are like, well, fucking right on. New ideas. You said things, and we believe you, and that's going to be awesome. So all the uh, the ponies, the uh, the the main set, the main six, is it main six or seven? It's the main six. Get it? The main M A N E again, like horse. Joke. Oh my um, god! I have daughters. I know all of this. The main six are <laughs> together, and they're they're talking about what they're gonna do. And Twilight is sitting there saying, you know, well that's that's what that's not the main five. It's the main six. Sorry, we're we're getting an argument here. Hold on, I have to. Pinkie Pie, Twilight, Applejack, Fluttershy, Rarity, Pinkie Pie, and Rainbow Dash. That's six. Okay, it's the main six. Evan, edit all that out. It's the Fab uh. Five, the main six, the sexy seven. <laughs> the sexy seven, that's us, but there's only three of us. Um, they're arguing over pancakes about who they're going to vote for. Twilight assumes that everyone would just vote for Mayor Mayor, but then she gets excited because there's going to be a re-election re campaign and she can work for Mayor Mayor, but Applejack, being the fucking salt-of-the-earth, blue-collar worker that she is, maybe might be leaning towards Filthy Rich, as is Rarity, because she believes that Filthy Rich might actually be better for small businesses. Um, yeah, all of, all of this is happening in a My Little Pony comic book. Anyway, so going through the rest of it, uh, there is... Uh, political bullshit um once they open it up a bunch of other candidates throw their throw the proverbial hat in the ring uh time turner who is dr hooves the dr who pony uh is is there he's running for uh mayor so is cherry lee one of the original high little ponies from like way back in the day and then uh lyra heartstrings uh she is a musician and friendship enthusiast she's running for mayor and then we also have uh mayor mayor and uh, filthy rich. So they have a debate and Time Turner goes off and does a bunch of like fucking big wordy shit and uh, Lyra Heartstrings solution to everything is more benches and which I I gotta tell she's you. She's not wrong. She's not wrong. She's she's really not wrong. Like what would make your life better? Another a place bench. to sit out. Yeah. Uh, more places to sit. They have four legs. How do they sit on benches? <laughs> Matt, you're asking well, too many questions. Matt, you're getting too into it. So, 
Anyway, oh, they're I'm talking in. about it. <laughs> they're talking about it, and uh, you know, and it's election day, and filthy rich like. They don't even fucking wait. That's what I love about this comic book. They're not spending any time bullshit. They don't even wait. We find out at the end of this issue that Filthy Rich has won. He is the new mayor of Ponyville. But, but, as he is giving his acceptance speech, and he says there's going to be dynamic, aggressive, forward-thinking policies coming to Ponyville, and I promise you that disasters like the earthquake that destroyed the playground will never happen again, lo and fucking behold... An earthquake sinks a bunch of shit in Ponyville. Ha! So he bitch. didn't cause the earthquake after all. But maybe he did, and I don't know. But he also gives the caveat, starting now. So, like, after there's an earthquake, right when he's saying it, it's very much like George Bush kept us safe, except for that one day. That, uh, you know, asterisk. That's kind of what we're doing with Filthy Rich here. So maybe because... I am a fucking liberal-ass Democrat. I read too much into this comic, but it seems to be really on the nose. Am I am I wrong, or am I just... No, you're not am wrong. I, I, I thought, like, you already read this ahead of time somehow, and you were telling us to read it. <laughs> no, I really didn't. I promise. I had no idea. I just and made thank an you and... for tuning in to the Politicuts Papercast. <laughs> Politicuts Papercast. I am your host, Dan fucking... Dan the Beast Severn, UFC <laughs> fucking champion. Dan Sanders. Dan Sanders, why, sure. Why didn't any of you vote for my dad? Anyway. Oh, that's not nice. Danny Sanders? Danny anyway. Sanders. So, Colonel um, Sanders. What did you guys think of this? Because I'm already... horrifying, on. Dan. <laughs> it was horrifying. Why was it horrifying, Pat? I read comics to escape from all the <laughs> bullshit in my real life. And if I can't escape into Ponyville with the My Little Ponies <laughs> from the bullshit that's going on in the American political climate today, not to mention see a representation of basically 9-11 occur to a playground in Ponyville. This is nuts, Dan. You can't give this to a child and expect them to continue to sleep peacefully at night. Why would you do this to us? My daughter wanted us to do it. Yeah, it was all right. I would buy again. <laughs> you would buy it again, right? See, like that's the thing. You would, you would maybe buy it again. Dean, what did, what did you think? Uh, firstly, I'd like to say, uh, New Day rocks. Um, secondly, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was, I, uh, it was good. <laughs> right? It's good. But it was too close. It was too out of the pages of the New York Times well, in I, USA right, Today. Th- man. I guess you could argue that, like, yeah. Little kids are going to buy this book, and I feel like you're kind of biasing them to, like, vote for... Because, yeah, Mayor Mayor, like, you're upset. Mayor Mayor lost, even though she has really good ideas, and money wins. So, like, I... We're just, we're just trying to give the kids some truth, Dean. Listen... You don't need I, truth. You need Pegasi and ponies. Yeah, Truthiness like, and justice. I, I, would, I would gather to, like, think... When I was fucking watching cartoons and shit growing up, the only things I fucking saw was, like, Rocco falling down a flight of stairs and Heifer and Filbert laughing at him. And the worst thing that was, was going to happen to us is quicksand. Yeah, quicksand. <laughs> By the not way... sinkholes. Not sinkholes. Not that he needs our help. But Kevin Smith has an amazing, um, I, it's the one he does with Scott Mosier, Smodcast. 
he has an amazing like hour and a half long fucking diatribe about how he thought quicksand was going to be a be a much bigger problem in his life yeah, based yeah. on movies and television shows it's fucking hysterical i and don't he's not doubt wrong. that i do not doubt that He's not wrong. Even when I was a kid, I thought quicksand. Yeah, was quicksand like, was fucking deadly, man. You thought you were gonna run into it everywhere. Like every everywhere. forest had it, every beach had it. You thought <laughs> you were gonna fucking die. And then, yeah, quicksand is like almost nowhere. It's definitely almost nowhere in this country. I mean, you'd have to go halfway around the world to fucking find it. It is just not something I need to concern myself you'd with. You literally like... have to go out of your way to fall into quicksand <laughs> if you live in America. I'm still kind of concerned about it. I'm not gonna lie. Because of walk the out the door, media watch where of your I'm childhood sleeping. upbringing. Because of the mainstream media and their quicksand propaganda. Oh, is that another pony pun, Dan? No. It, it, oh, it should have been, though. Sanderganda. Sanderganda. Anyway, so uh, My Little Pony, issue 46, uh, Mayor Mayor, political intrigue. Fucking buy this book. It was really good. Yeah, it was well written. It was bright afterwards. It Jesus. was bright and colorful, and the art is good, and... <sighs> no biggie links in the no, well that's that's very true anyway so final book of the week surgeon x number one uh written by sarah kenny with art by john watkiss it's a new image book that deals with um the antibiotic preservation act from uh, comes to being, ponyville and it's comes all to ponyville. everyone is fucked it's a, it is a political uh, strategy being used by the Lionheart Party in 2036 London. So, apparently, this was another really long issue. I, I thought it was very good, though. Very well written. Um, and really does kind of hit home on a lot of the things that we are, you know, faced with as a society today with our reliance on medications and how we over-medicate and just... You know, uh, I have the sniffles. Here's 78 prescriptions. Go get them all filled for like $3. You'll just have drugs. Literally lousy with drugs in your house. You know what? It's Matt's, fucking insane. That's right. Everything we read was super fucking serious. It really was super depressed. I thought the Ponyville well, book except would Except for the, uh, the uh, self-righteous vigilante surgeon. Well, even this got a little dark, man. I mean, oh, yeah, it was super dark. It wasn't nearly <laughs> as dark as the fucking My Little Pony, but it was dark. So it is uh, it is 2036 London. This is where we're going. Antibiotic is... resistance is going to cause just mayhem. And then we're going to get vigilante surgeons. I may as well enroll in medical school now so you I can as well. I mean, if you don want, the man, black I'm mask, about that. you are Asian. No, that, I, that, I, that just well I'm not Filipino so I can't be a, just a nurse <laughs> I could open a dry cleaner though <laughs> listen listen if I've really learned anything from wrestling can't do Chinese food Filipinos can do anything they want by way of TJ Perkins TJ Perkins right. can be whatever he wants he's the man he certainly is but so anyway back to this book Surgeon X number one we open up with this Antibiotic uh, Preservation Act, and really what it is, it, uh, it, it is a bill that favors the rich, and the people who have access to the drugs are the ones who obviously are going to live, um, and the ones who can't get these prescriptions are going to die because there is some fucked up shit going around London now, and there's a bunch of freedom fighters and activists um, 
some would call them terrorists, depending on you know your point of view and all that. But we start with a mayoral debate between a career politician and a doctor, and a doctor who is not very well prepared for this. Uh, does not he's not a politician. You know, he even says he says, right away. He says, "I'm not. I'm not. I'm a doctor. I'm not a politician." To which his uh, his wife or girlfriend or whoever is there with him says, "Right now, we need you to be both, or basically, we're all." fucked and they turned out to be all fucked because this lionheart political party has a bunch of like crazy grassroots activists then they go and attack shit and our our surgeon our main character who we get backstory in after like the first half of the book we get her backstory uh she's driving that. around with her with her brother and as the mayoral debate is attacked as there's a bomb that is set off on it she goes in to help people and she gets to the stage and has to make a choice she has to make a choice between saving the politician first or saving the doctor first and then getting to the other person second or well, at least that is what we, we are led to believe yes we, we also we also have to keep in mind that uh not a lot of people are down with this uh politician guy Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah people fucking there. hate this guy. This guy is is very much um, molded after the fucking dick bag who uh, bought the the AIDS medication company and like raised the price to a ridiculous amount. And this new fucking slag who just uh, uh, increased the price of EpiPens. So you're just basically pricing people out of their medication, and they're going to die so that you can buy another house. Go fuck yourself off of a cliff. Anyway. Um, so this guy's very much in the mold of, of those types of people that are in the headlines right now. Um, so, But we are led to believe from everything that we've read and seen before that doctors are going to go in and they're going to help everybody. They save bad people all of the time. If a bad guy gets brought into a hospital, the doctor saves his life, right? That's just what happens. Not so with Surgeon X. She goes in and... Our doctor is laying on the stage and our politician is laying on the stage and she has to make a choice of who she's going to save and she saves the doctor and the politician's wife is like, hey, fucking, he's dying. You got to come help him. And she's like, nah, dude, I'm good. It, it's all right. I'm not gonna. So she's a vigilante surgeon. Can we just back up one second? Sure. Doing surgery in the back of a van on a cybernetic pig. <laughs> mm-hmm. And sheep masks that cry blood? Yeah, well, those are the, the Lionheart Party activists. Oh, are they lion masks that cry no, they're, blood? They're the sheep, but... Sheep, sheep lion, masks still crying blood. Yeah, the lion and the sheep and crying the blood, there's a message. Oh, there's a message. <laughs> there's certainly, certainly a message, but the first half of the book ends with her saying, I now believe life is a privilege, not a right, and as a doctor, this thought scares the shit out of me. And that is that was probably enough alone to get this book greenlit because that is a fucking intriguing concept. You know, if you put it in this, uh, not really post-apocalyptic, but in this... this it's pre-apocalyptic. Pre-apocalyptic. In a world that's gone to shit, if the doctors are now deciding that life is a privilege and not necessarily a right that you are entitled to, that's a fucking scary proposition. Doesn't that violate some oath... Uh, the Hippocratic Oath? Yes, yeah, that's the one. Violates it entirely. Uh, 
so I thought the first half of this book was really interesting and I really liked it and was really excited to see where it was going. And then the second half of the book was kind of boring. Am I yeah. wrong there? Did no, you feel I'm with how you. did you guys feel about the switch of action, action, action? Now we're just gonna backload you with everything that happened. I don't know. I, I wasn't really into the book to begin with, even with the mm-hmm. you know, debate thing going on. I was just like, ah I, I read this directly after My Little Pony and I was So did I. Yeah, I was I was <laughs> so a little I'm I. like I'm getting a little tired of this whole debate politics <laughs> thing going on. I get it, it's a hot topic. I just I don't wanna fucking I don't wanna read this. I want my superheroes, but we read a shitty one, so oh well. Because we're left off with I think nothing she did in the first half of the book actually mattered none whatsoever and then a mysterious man comes out of a helicopter and then turns this into a murder mystery yep set against the backdrop of the antibiotic apocalypse yes yeah pretty much that did they did they say like all right that's an awesome con concept you can tell it in 12 pages make it 46 (laughs) and they said what i feel like that's what happened that almost seems like they did because because you're right like we get all this backstory like we get to that big powerful scene of you know life is a privilege not a right then we are slammed with backstory and then we jump back to the front or to the story that was happening where the politician guy dies right he fucking dies and she's like oh shit i'm sorry my bad um i wasn't really thinking i could have maybe i i tried to save him or whatever and uh politician's wife fucking freaks out and shoots the doctor in the head so the person that she did save is also now dead um so now no one can be elected now nobody's gonna be mayor it's gonna have to be eddie izzard he's gonna have to come out of retirement if he's even alive in 2036 eddie izzard fairly old he well he's not super old he's not even he's in his 50s right I don't know. Eddie is a stand-up comedian. I know who the fuck he is. I just, oh, okay. Just random. I just say 70 is fairly old. It's not well, ancient. Well, he was, was going to run for the mayor of London. You got, you oh, got was he? Got a, yeah, he was talking about it a couple did, years ago. Did he do it? I don't think he did. I'm voting for Rhino. Still, <laughs> I also agree. Even though Rhino is like a conservative Republican, I would vote for He's Rhino a fucking for, wrestler, man. I know. That's all that matters. How much is he? He's 54, so in 2036 and 20 years, he's 74. That's how old uh, Donald Trump is right now and Hillary. They're both in their 70s, so perfectly. Um, I think you made that up. What? That Hillary Clinton is 74? No, Hillary's in her 70s. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, so is Donald Trump. Donald They're Trump's a mummy. 70s. He doesn't age, okay? That doesn't count. <laughs> really? I'm Googling this. Hillary. No, I want to look up Hillary Duff. That's more important. <laughs> Hillary Duff is the first thing that came up. Yep, you not Hillary Hillary? Clinton. Hillary wow. Duff. Uh, uh, yeah, wow. Okay, just it's it's weird. No, she's sixty eight. Okay, she's not in her sixty eight. Oh, okay. I thought she was in her seventy. Well, whatever. She's fucking cl- knocking on the door. She's got more life behind her than ahead of her. So like, you don't know, you know that. I mean, you, anyway, they could have life technology <laughs> in the future. It is. It is theoretically possible Eddie Izzard could run for mayor of London in 2036, I think is the main point. But, uh, so, okay, going through all of this, this book overall, I think if they ignore the history of this character, 
and just give me what's going to happen going forward, I am excited about it and at least want to know more. So I will at least be reading the next issue. What about you guys? It's going to turn into a huge conspiracy type book and the government's controlling stuff from behind the scenes. And that's why they killed the mom. And why don't you join us? And the kid's going to be like, no. And yeah, I'm not feeling this, man. I can already see what's happening. Well, I mean, within the course of the first issue, they kind of lost the entire, well, most of the concept of just what a nutso idea a vigilante surgeon is. That should have she been only the does, premise. She only does, you know, backstreet medical shit for like 18 pages. Yeah, that's true. Out of 46. And then the rest is her backstory, which doesn't exactly explain her motivation. It's supposed to explain her motivation. Yeah, that like, part was that part was dodgy at best. Yeah. And so if you give us the continuation of the first sixteen pages, I'm on board. Yeah, I thought that part was interesting, so I are you at least on board for the next issue, Matt? I'll check it out. Listen, right, I, I so. vote it needs more broken Matt Hardy. It does need more broken Matt Hardy. So two whoops and a yep. Is that more pony shit? No. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, 101 Dalmatians. It's all right. It's not for everybody. But uh, that's going to wrap up this issue of the Paper Cuts podcast. Thank you once again for listening. Spew all of our random nonsense. Announcer guy, tell him a couple of things. Thank you, Dan. Attention listeners. Did you know the Geek Aid crew are real people you can get in touch with? Did you also know you can keep track of what comes out on the fabulous Geek Aid website without even visiting it? Did you know that Dean irons his vest every hour on the hour to be prepared for anything? Wait, really? Well, you can keep in touch with Geek Aid by following them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and more. If that's not enough, you can also send them an email at mail at geekaid.com. Be sure to check out the show notes to get all the links and more information on today's episode. Back to you, Dan! Thanks again, announcer guy. And once again, thank you. I know I just thanked you, but I'm going to keep thanking you because we really do appreciate it. We're such nice guys. We love you guys so much. If you could show us some love, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher. Leave us a five-star rating and review. It's the easiest way to get more eyes and ears on the show. Helps moves, move us up the charts, and it's absolutely free of charge. You could say something, you know, just nice. Just be like, show good other IGN sucks. Like, that's fine. You could put that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, big fans of the show, Dan. Yeah, well, I know, but they, that's why they get it. It's tongue-in-cheek. Um, if you want to get a hold of any of us, talk to us about some of the books, how much you love the My Little Pony comic, comic book and why we should have been reviewing it more often. Can't believe that's going to be a fucking hashtag. We're, we're going to going forward. PCPMLP. PCPMLP. Oh, love it. Uh, you can follow all of us on Twitter. Well, first of all, you can send us mail at mail at geekade.com. But if you want to follow us individually or talk to us, you can get a hold of us on Twitter. I am at Geekade Dan. You can follow Matt at Geekade Matt. And you can follow Dean at Kimono underscore Vestlord. Join us again next week as we have a whole new slew of comic books to talk about. Until that time, for Matt Much, for Dean DeFalco, for Dan Ryan, I am Dan Ryan.